Hello and welcome to Say That Podcast, where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Hello, beautiful. Wow. We'll get into that. I would say once we explain it, it'll be less creepy, but it's the opposite. Yeah. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. <laughs> Someone just assumed that Glenn was talking to him. <laughs> Little conceited, joining us all the way from emergency, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Wow, and I was hoping it was me. You know, but then Jed just took it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I that's... think we learned something in that about uh, Glenn's dating techniques when he was a younger man. You just throw the wide net out there. <laughs> yeah, that's How right. How you doing, gorgeous? You talking to me? Yes, I yes, am. Yes, I am. <laughs> if you think I am, I am. That's right. Yeah, we're all thankful that there was not such a thing as a social media in Glenn's youth. There had been a lot of... Uh, <laughs> Mass DMing. I would have gone down in flames. <laughs> Almost <laughs> certainly. Well, before we get in to the uh, before we get into the show, before we get into the end of the wrap up, would you like to explain the horrible thing you just said? Uh, no, just let it stand. No, actually, okay. uh, we had uh, some. We ama- have a callback joke Christmas gift, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, we we have some amazing, amazing super fans, uh, and we. Uh, I think it was. Uh, certain other people on the podcast. Nope, I can't it was remember you. Who, uh, so, it was some, only you. We tried to stop you. <laughs> someone accused them of stalking us. You. And there's a, a movie, and this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, called <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, where a person is kidnapped. I can't... I'm halfway in. I can't think of how to describe this that isn't horribly, horribly creepy. We, we will just say there is a line that Glenn quoted of... A lotion-related line. It puts the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. Even if you, if you're a young person who's not seen Silent Slam, you've probably heard that. Yeah, and like The Simpsons or something. So that's that. Glenn so, had mentioned that we would know the uh, the people he insisted on calling stalkers when the rest of us defended them. Yes, and their virtue and their good good nature. Right. We would know things had gone too far if lotion got involved. And these people were at a, a New Year's event at Glenn's house. Yes. There's a gift exchange going on. And they got him lotion. Wow. And it has flowers on it, and it says, Hello Beautiful. Yes, it is called Hello Beautiful by the O'Shea <laughs> Corporation. Thank you, Glenn. And immediately uh, Jed took it. That's what we call a running gag. Jed took it. Took it and immediately slathered himself in yeah. very flowery it, smelling lotion. And what must have been like a triple dose, because there's no yeah. way it was meant to smell that potent. It's it's significant. I was 25 minutes ago. Things are still floral here yeah. in the underground bunker. Jed smells gorgeous. So we're definitely... Thank you, Glenn. <laughs> we're, we're sending out the year. We record this on Chris, on uh, New Year's Eve. You will hear it uh, on the third or so, or maybe maybe way further into the future. We don't know when you download the podcast. Maybe you maybe you download them by the batch of 100 and then listen to them all at once. But uh, So we're, we're sending out the year uh, with a, a smelling lovely, at least... Little creeped out, but smelling lovely. <laughs> but we did want to uh, offer. I wanted to give you guys, everybody, a little time to, you know, as we look back on 2017, forward to 2018. Right. Are the things we we want to to mention? Uh, people did nice things for us. We had a lot of nice uh, comments about our th- hitting 300 episodes mm. uh, right. from our friend mm. Wendy, from our friends Tommy. I got some very nice notes from uh, nice conversations with folks when I was down in Tennessee for the holidays. Yeah. Now, did we get one or two people saying? 
you should just stop now? Sure. And sure. are they wrong? <laughs> no. No. But, you know. Right. Are we going to listen? Also, no. Also, no. no. We're, we're, it's just momentum now. We're middle-aged white guys. We do it because this is the thing we do on every That's other right. Sunday night. There's That's no right. other reason at this point. We don't need another reason. That's right. Do we have anything we want to uh, apologize for, retract, mm. double down on? Mm. Sort of a year-end wrap-up. There you go. On that basis, i like to declare an emergency. Wow. Is it an apology emergency? No. This is a this is an unapology emergency. Oh, well, a depology, if you will. Okay, I everyone who knows me knows that I hate Christmas. Yes, I hate Christmas with a burning fiery passion. You say, "What well, do you hate the commercialism and the fact that Jesus and his birth is lost in the beauty nope. of the, the no Christmas?" Is yeah, all you, you hate Christmas at church? You say <laughs> yes. it there. Yeah, I uh, that's I did say it there to quote. A then 11-year-old daughter of a very uh, prestigious and uh, friend of the bridge who's a very high-ranking denominational official. Daddy, does that man really hate Christmas? Yeah. That's right. Yes, he does. <laughs> that man. <laughs> yes, and, and I think we did tell the, the elf story yeah. previously, so that you know you could run back that in a previous episode. And if you didn't hear that episode, I bet you're intrigued. Yes, yes. you should be. Uh, so, uh, a long history of just being awful at Christmas yeah. time. But I said this year, this is true. I said this year, I'm going to do better. I'm going to just. Did you? Oh. But here's what it is the word I, better is doing a lot of work in that sense. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to do good, going to do better. That's right. Improvement, <laughs> not perfection. That's what it's about, fellas. Okay, so the main thing I hate is Christmas music. I mean, just, ah. that's cannot go it, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not making this up, by the way, not to derail your aunt. I had a, a dentist appointment a few days ago, as I've had many of in the last few months, and it was on December 28th, and whatever radio station they were pumping in, and my dentist were very nice people, was still rocking the Christmas music. Ouch. Yeah, no. And imagine the purgatory that is getting <laughs> no. dental fillings <laughs> while listening to Christmas music. On December twenty, you, you have yeah. to wonder well, like upon Novocaine. You you wind up wondering about your whole salvation. You're like, did I miss it? Did that's I pass right. away? Man, Am I yeah. actually in hell now? Yeah, that's right. But I I made a a, a resolution. I I oh, call it year's a, resolution. An, an old year's resolution. That's, that's better. <laughs> and uh, here's what it was. I said I will decide that I will accept all Christmas music without any consternation or disapproval, with the exception. Of the song "Holly Jolly Christmas," which is my all-time number one with a bullet. Man, do I hate that song! If song you were going to create hate. something in a lab to annoy and enrage, one Glenn Fitzgerald. That's it. I think an upbeat pop tune called "Holly Jolly Christmas." I mean, it's literally a, just. It's crude. I'm trying to think of a non-vulgar way of saying it. It's literally just saying we're happy. At you, and you're not. If, if you're What's not wrong happy, with you? yeah. If, the, it, it, if we're happy, and if you aren't, it's because your life kind of sucks. Christmas is magical over here. What's going on there? Not magic, must suck. Right. Yeah. That's what that song is saying to me. You may be reading a little bit into the text, but that's, that's okay, I right. might be slightly projecting. But <laughs> we always bring saying. something of ourselves to art. Every every single store I went into, every restaurant I went into. <laughs> That was the first song that came on. <laughs> yeah. So I, my resolution for the new year is screw you, Christmas. The the fight is back on. Oh, you've double okay. You're doubling down. Yeah. 
on hating Christmas. Yeah. So, but you're against the war on Christmas. Oh, totally. I there's, forget how that goes. There's a there's well, there's a war on Christmas. Uh, not anymore. It's over because they're trying to make everybody say Merry Christmas, but uh, it, Happy Holidays is like Holy Days. That's sure. what holiday means. Is the Holy Days? I think Christmas is holy. So you're not you're not you're it's a war on Christmas. I think it's great. Um, I think that does bring us to what I think could be a good project slash resolution for all of us in 2018, because we spent a lot of time, you know, pushing back against the legalism. Sure. Right, right. People, right. you know, they're taking it too far. They're doing things that are not helpful, not helping anybody grow in the Lord, not helping anybody come to the Lord. Um, can we, in the the ho- the Christmas holy days thing, can we start out legalisming these people? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, find new ways to be legalistic. Yeah. Well, I, you're exploring something interesting, which is what if we took all the things that we are slightly annoyed and, and snark and, and pick at because it's a little bit much, right? and then instead said we thought it was great. Now, here's a oh. perfect example. You know, we joke about laser beams in church. We right, do. On the show, because a little while back, someone that we know was involved in a certain megachurch and their That thing, was lasering. And they were doing lasers. That was the background of their entire kind of church setup was, was laser beams. Wow. And we, we, we thought this was... A little much. Un- unbelievably mockable information. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it, it's one of those things, if you make fun of something long enough, it's where it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And some part of you is like, was that even true in the first place? And then uh, Jed showed us their Christmas setup. And yep, it was cri- true. Christmas was laser beams shooting everywhere. Yeah. Wow. And um, so I'd like to just say, you know what I think really makes the season bright? Tell me. And magical. Tell me. Oh. Laser beams. <laughs> like, I was in church and they shot off these laser beams, and I was like, praise the Lord. That's y'all. the real meaning of Christmas. That's fantastic, Glenn. It, it does miss one of the key. Uh, facets of the legalism that I think we should we should hold on to because we actually have a gift for this part. Uh-huh. That's making people feel bad about themselves. Oh, yeah. So I think what to just to add on to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think if we go to a church service where there's just it's just a little much, right? Like you know we spent we clearly spent a lot of money in this sanctuary and we've got you know the the highly edited video or whatnot. You go, guys, you know what? Really take this over the top. Give you some laser beams in here. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Now I was over it. Shall remain nameless, but the giant megachurch you're all jealous of because how much money they have. Yeah. They need laser beams. That's right. Now what you guys have over here with the huge building and the you know celebrity passion, that's adorable. But right. are you ready to step it up to the laser beam level? Yeah, that's right. And, and then you got to add the spirituality. And do you really care about the birth of Jesus without the beams of mm. the lasers? Mm. Yeah. You know he's the light of the world. <laughs> Also, my cousin got saved by laser beams. Did, did he? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is, is he the highly focused multi-kilowatt light of the world? Yes, that's right. Okay, that's He good. was like, I saw them lasers, and I said, I got to get on board with this. Sure. Like, this is whoa. the religion for me. Yeah. yeah well, you know, like, because he had been going to a lot of Pink Floyd uh, shows at the planetarium. <laughs> which, is, which can be religious in its own way. And sure. he's like, you know, he, you know that's like... Uh, eat some pot brownies and, and go to the planetarium and stuff. Yeah, that was the subtext of what we were joking about. You right. just said it. That's uh, that's what you call text. Yeah. Yes. You say it. But this this is what it is, is we, we took him to church and he saw laser beams. He's like, okay, yeah. you people did it. get me. 
You rocked my world here. Right. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm taking the full ride. It Which worked. one of you people's going to disciple me? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was still at the planetarium, but he got saved anyway, so we didn't question it. Yeah. So, you know, if you're okay not doing lasers in your, ch- in your church, well, that's okay. Sure. Mm. Other people choose to have laser beams, and we encourage that. Well, that's because we care I- about souls, Glenn. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. You can't you can't put a laser price on souls. Yeah. That's right. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I think it's uh, here's the thing is, I think there are a certain number of people who sat there with laser beams going off, saying, you know what? But it is it is kind of nice. It's fine. Yeah. You know, they just fully justify. Better that. not lasers. Sure. I have a feeling if you just played back us saying, "No, yeah, it's good," that they it would be just like, "No, it's not." You know what I mean? Like, you can't justify it. It's laser beams. Somebody they had a meeting. Everybody get around the table. Right. All right, fellas. I've cracked the code, and they got the the chalkboard, and they yeah. you know been drawing the arrows and the diagram and trying to figure it out. And they're like, "We've cracked this. We've cracked it wide open." Really? What is it, Johnson? laser beams <laughs> and this is the thing everybody's been in an office environment work environment you know whatever where there's one person who's completely insane yes and just say they, that person just says weird sure. and crazy stuff and you're like you know johnson give me a break that kind of you know right so that's fine that's right. going to happen but somebody said out loud where everybody can hear it laser beams yeah yeah and the Somehow, the consensus of the room was, yeah. Sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. You know what's better than church? Laser church. That's what. <laughs> so I, I had my astigmatism. You know what fixed it? Laser beam. Well, it's, you're at the, there you go. You're at the end of that meeting, you know, and there's the red thread on the on the billboard, you know, the, yeah. you know, everything's connected. They're trying to figure the yeah. thing. And it's like three in the morning and people, their ties are undone and there's... Yeah. Put another yeah. cup of coffee so on, you know, that, yeah, yeah. that whole thing. And then, and then the guy says it, and then the, we, we zoom in on somebody else, and he says, it's crazy, but it might just work. That's exactly yeah. right. So that's, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. That's Church what consulting, happened. the movie. Yeah. So uh, on that basis, I declare a holly jolly emergency <laughs> off. <laughs> Uh, normally, uh, Glenn puts different words after Holly Jolly, but they would earn us an explicit tag. That's right. In the old Apple Podcast Store. All right. Well, maybe you have a New Year's resolution. Maybe your New Year's resolution is better, more encouraging Christian media. Maybe your New Year's resolution is to in- help ministries, help people down and out and having a hard time and help people minister to them. But you would say, but that's two things. I don't want to do two things. That sounds hard. Well, the good news to you, dear listener, is you can do both of those in one. Ooh. My New Year's resolution was about more smooth Bridgebox promo transitions. Oh, yeah. And so far, it's going very well. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Songs, sermons, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff from the folks here on the podcast. We are obviously still in the month of January, where our topic is what, Jed? In the month of January? Yes. Why make changes? Fantastic. So sermons from Glenn and myself, songs from Jed, Lee, some other very talented friends, all sorts of good stuff. Only $8 a month. All of that goes to the ministry we do. The number one way folks who like the show can support what we do, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our uh, questions here. If you can have us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can touch this. First question comes in to our t- 
our uh, email address, as a matter of fact. This question says, what is the actual meaning of blessing receiving a blessing? Blessing others mean in a biblical context. I've only thought about it recently because I realized that every time someone prays for another person, they will always pray for God's blessing to be upon them. And I have a feeling that our idea of blessings are more of a materialistic, everything will go well, success kind of idea. So what the heck is the actual meaning of being blessed? And Jed, why don't you start us off here? All right, my friend. Well, I asked Glenn for special permission to open up the Bible Nerdatorium, and he told me just this once. Wipe your feet. He told me to wipe my feet, so I'm, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to keep it clean in here. So we're going to go to the Bible Nerdatorium. In this case, that's a trip to BibleHub.com. All right. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus uses the uh, word that we usually translate as blessed a lot, like uh, several, several times in a row. Or blessed, if you really want to go for it. Yes, exactly right. So what we did is we we clicked on Matthew five, three, then we clicked on the button that says interlinear. Mm. All right. And then we clicked on the word that's translated as blessed. And then we clicked on the, the tab that says summary. So you can go do that right now and you can follow along. And this is going to break down the actual word and what it means. We can answer your question directly. That word, I don't speak Greek, so bear with me. Makarios is the word. Sure. But that is the word. Now, here's what that word means. Happy or blessed or to be envied. All right. We got a few more definitions. We'll keep uh, going. These are from a couple different sources. Properly, when God extends his benefits or confers his benefits. It comes from a word meaning to become large, is actually what that word means. Another definition, it describes a believer in an enviable or fortunate position from receiving God's provisions or favor, which literally extend or make large his grace or benefits in their life. Also, blessed or happy, uh, bu- 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 we had a few more on here. Blessed or happy. Bu- 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 yeah, so that's the general consensus. Happy, fortunate, really hooked up. Now, here's what's interesting is that seems to be pointing in the direction you don't like, right? Because yeah. in your question, you said, this all seems to be about kind of a selfish motivation thing that like, we want, you know, God hooked me up, give me something good. And, and isn't that wrong? And the answer is no, that's not wrong. God actually wants to give you good stuff. Now, pause for a second, because I know it takes a minute, you know. Um, It's not wrong for you to want to receive good things from God. And it's super not wrong for God to want to give you good things. The question is, what constitutes a good thing? That's the thing that we Mm. need to get into. That's, That's where we run into problems. Yes, if we say, you know what's a good thing that would bring me that happiness is a Ferrari... We have a problem here, yeah. not because there's something intrinsically wrong with a Ferrari, but because a car can't make you happy. It can't do that. It doesn't have that power. You can drive a nice car and still be miserable. A relationship can't make you be happy. It can't make you receive more of God's grace. A job promotion can't make you. None of these worldly things can force you to experience joy and peace and a greater sense of God's nearness. What can give you a greater sense of joy is joy. What can give you a greater sense of peace is peace. What can give you a greater sense of God's nearness is God's nearness. God wants to bless you. He wants to bring amazing, amazing stuff into your life, but he wants to cut out the middleman. 
Where we get in trouble is when we say, God, give me this physical thing, and then I would have joy. God, give me this opportunity, and then I would have peace. And it's not that God doesn't want you to have physical things. It's not that he doesn't want you to have opportunities. But he wants to give you peace directly, and he wants to give you joy directly. We have a way of saying that materialism, to care about material things, is bad, and we just shouldn't do that. That's not true. Um, if you're starving to death, you should care about food. And if you're not starving to death, you should care about people who don't have food. This is a concern with material things. Where we get into trouble is when we believe that material things have the power to ultimately satisfy us. That's when we get into trouble. And if you look at everything Jesus says about being blessed in this Matthew chapter 5, he's all pointing ultimately to things that are not material that can lead to real satisfaction and, uh, and real contentment. That's what God wants for you, and that's what we want for you. Absolutely right. I think it's a really fantastic place to start. And, Lee, if you could pick up for us there, I think there's another aspect that's going on here which ties exactly into what Jed is saying here, which is there's actually nothing wrong with wanting things from God. There can be something wrong with that if we go into a certain mindset. In the same way, uh, the question asker is talking about, you know, I realize that, Everybody who uses this word in prayer is kind of using it in the Mm. same way, which there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it could indicate something that we want to investigate further, right? Definitely. I think um, that—I love the way that when when Jeb was reading through the interlinear there from the Bible Hub, I I loved his paraphrase of the idea of this being, being hooked up by God. I think that's a really, really cool way to summarize that. And uh, this is an interesting thing because you point out that you hear this in other people's prayers. That's something really interesting to look into, that you hear people praying and they're praying for blessing. And it's, it's hard for us to know exactly kind of what background you're coming from or what kind of church environment you're in or what people mean by that. But a lot of times what people mean by that is, you know, I want, I, I, I want to be hooked up in the sense of I want to have those material things. Sometimes people, what people think is, if I'm walking with God, he will, he will hook me up so that I'm not physically suffering or so that I have, you know, all my bills paid for or so that I have um, more than enough. Um, that's certainly the way some people see it. That's not a biblical view of what the gospel gives or anything like that. But at the same time, most people learn to pray just by hearing other people pray. Um, so sometimes people are praying for blessing. They don't maybe even know what they're talking about. Sometimes people, actually a lot of times, Christians will use certain words that they hear other people use in prayer, and they don't even really know what they mean by them. Um, and, and just as Jed's saying, these physical things, material things, stuff like that, can't actually bring us the kind of blessing that Jesus is talking about, that the scriptures are talking about. But here's a really, really cool thing, is that there... You know, the idea that there's something in you that, that feels like, is it the right thing to do for, to pray for blessing? Well, the really cool thing is, yes, it is the right thing to do. It is the right thing for you to be spiritually greedy in your prayer life. And it is appropriate for you to ask God for what you want. Um, there are many, many times in Scripture um, where Jesus just straight up says to somebody, what do you want me to do for you? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a sense it, with a lot of Christian stuff where it's like, well, what I've got to do is I've got to, I got to be so holy that I eliminate desire from my life. That, that would make yep. me pure. Uh, if I, if I didn't want anything, then that would make me the kind of spiritual person that could, you know, see others or whatever, whatever the real, that's a different religion, by the way. 
um, the the Jesus that that we have in the New Testament is is the Jesus that looks at at a dad who has a hurting son and says, uh, "Bring the boy to me. You want me to take care of your son? I will." He's the kind of guy that looks at a blind man and says, "What do you want me to do for you?" And the guy says, "I want my eyes to be fixed. I want to see. Let's hook that up." Um, Jesus, just as Jed's saying, he said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. He Amen. wants you to be hooked up. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have a deep sense of uh, the kind of knowledge of yourself where you are at rest. You're not trying to prove anything to anybody. You're not in competition with anybody. In a way, you have the sense of coolness that like, I don't need anybody's approval because I know who I am. I'm a child of God and I have everything I need in, in, in him and stuff like that. And at the exact same time where you, you have the kind of access in prayer to ask God, I need help with these bills and I need help uh-huh. with this temptation and I need help in this relationship and I need help uh, finding a job. You have the right to ask for whatever you want to. And whether that's a material blessing that, that, that you just sense is going to be the thing that's going to help you get to somewhere, or just the blessing of knowing who you are in Jesus. Jesus wants that stuff for you. And even if, there's the really, really cool thing about him. Even if the thing that you really want right now in this moment is not the thing that's going to give you what Jed's talking about, the deep sense of peace and blessing and, and joy in your spiritual life, you still have the right to ask Jesus for it. He may not hook it up right now, but he, is the, he, he wants the kind of relationship with, with you where you can come to him at any point and you can say, this is what I want from you. Um, now, help me walk with you and all that, but I'm just being honest. You know, for a lot of you out there, it is, I would like a boyfriend. I would like that to be happening to me now. Um, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. like a raise and I would like for my boss to get up off of me and I would like for that to happen now-ish, you know? And you have the right to say all of those things. It's not wrong for you to, for you to want to be hooked up. And that's the heart that Jesus has for you. Amen. Absolutely. That's fantastic stuff. And Glenn, um, we've talked about here, and I, I want to make sure we're coming in on the right notes. It's not that our question asker's wrong for assuming there's something hinky here, or right. wondering. Again, they're saying, what the heck yeah. does this mean? That's always the right question, is to come in with as few assumptions as you can, and what does mm-hmm. this mean? But I think they are right to pick up on that this is a mindset to uh, to equate <laughs> blessing with good thing, as I define good, Yes, can lead to some problems. Yeah. So where does that come in, and how do we uh, maybe immunize against that? Well, I think the uh, a lot of things that we think of as good are really eliminating pain, not giving us joy. Say that. Yes. Right? Yeah. So if I if you say to someone walking around, would you want to be rich? I want to not be poor. They, they What they would say is, yeah, well, sure, I, I, I want the money. And you give them the money, you say, okay, what's the money going to do? Will it solve all the important problems in your life? Well, no, it, it won't. But it, it will take a lot of misery you may be going through yes. and, and eliminate that. Mm-hmm. And that's something, but that's sure. just from misery to zero. Uh-huh. And we ask for God for a lot of those things, uh, where He wants to take it into that positive realm. Um, but the problem there is, you're saying not being that we want out of misery, but we want to right. stop at zero where God doesn't want to exactly, stop at zero. Exactly right. Um, the material uh, element of this comes in. Here's here's a. Uh, sort of a formula that we use in our ministry, and I'd, I'd certainly encourage you to use as you work through this stuff. 
we're looking for, because we do a certain amount of physical good for the people that we work with. These are people coming out of jail, off the streets, out of addiction, and they have all kinds of physical needs as well as emotional needs and spiritual needs. So some of those physical needs we're seeing too. We're, we had a lot of really super cold weather up here in Chicago, and we're giving out scarves and hats and socks and stuff so they can be warm during that time frame. It is hard to grow spiritually if you die of exposure. That, that's the point. So, so that's the, this is the, the, the formula that we have is, is there a material need that's holding back a spiritual growth and breakthrough? So, for example, someone's crossing the desert and they're dying of thirst. You don't say, I would like to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> you say, here's a glass of water, and I would like to tell you about Jesus while you drink that refreshing glass of water. So that um, if you have an extreme physical need, you're not going to be focused on anything Don't else. Don't bust out your sermon point about how those who trust in him will never thirst again. That's a right. metaphorical thirst. That's right. So I think uh, ultimately, when you look at it from that standpoint, there's a lot of ways that uh, we can and should bless one another, where it's, mm-hmm. uh, this is a church that may need a new roof. Mm. Uh, here is a group of young people who are open to hearing the gospel, and they need a, a youth pastor or a parachurch youth guy to do a, a, a ministry in this high school. Uh, you know, here are a, you know, a church that needs new seats because they're, these are full and they need more room and for more people. So providing that physical need would open up a spiritual blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- there's a lot of that. So, so as Jed is saying, just thinking that materialism is bad, full stop, is not what that is. You know, uh, it's recognizing that we do need material stuff in life, right. and uh, this is, you know, food, clothing, and shelter, and uh, th- that sort of thing. And if it's holding back spiritual progress, we definitely should be looking at that. All uh, blessings are ultimately spiritual. Then, you know, I may be reducing a physical need to give you a spiritual breakthrough, but the breakthrough is the blessing, mm-hmm. not the physical thing. So it's ultimately spiritual. And that's all the stuff that Lee was talking about. Peace, patience, kindness, love, joy, all those things coming into our lives and making us full and rich because we are not material. We're, we're spiritual. That's who we are. We, we, uh, Paul talks about how God knew us before the creation of the world. Mm-hmm. So we... We existed uh, spiritually outside of time and outside of our physical uh, uh, bodies. And of course, when we die and we pass on, we leave these bodies behind, so we go back to that. Well, here's the thing is we have to have an awareness of that spiritual um, reality and look to be blessed in that way in the long run. So sometimes physical stuff is part of that. Final point, and here's the thing. We were talking about... uh, uh, how we pray, we pray a lot for smooth seas. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the old saying, uh, smooth seas never made a good sailor. And the idea is you get good at, you know, in this case, being a sailor when everything's storms and things, and you learn how to handle that, and it makes you able to deal with whatever life throws your way. For some reason, that's what God is interested in doing in you and I. He's interested in giving us the strength to handle a tough circumstance, even though we often pray, Lord, just take this tough circumstance away. So the things that we think of as blessings and curses often uh, are misunderstood right. for that reason. I think it's perfectly okay to go to the Lord and say, I don't want this storm to be happening. Mm-hmm. 
but it's it's about landing on that that point of if this is going to continue, you know what I want for it to go away. But if it's meant to continue, and if this is a test and a challenge to me, make me stronger and give me what I need to get in there and kick butt. All fantastic stuff. I'll close this out by shortly pointing out there's one more uh, kind of landmine in the looking at blessings thing that we see people fall into a lot. And I've certainly dealt with is that idea that the blessing is not getting a good thing, but the blessing is getting what you want. Yeah. There's mm. a lot of, uh, not only is that wrong if you uh, happen to want thing, something that's not going to be good for you in the long run, that can be bad. If you get a certain kind of tunnel vision on that, we deal with um, guys in our ministry all the time who it's not that they want a job. That's a good thing. That's a blessing you should want because you know, you can a job will pay you a wage, and you can live indoors and buy food, and many wonderful things about that. But they want this particular job, and it's not that it's the best one, and it's not that it's the one that they really have prayed about, and that it's just kind of so what I'm fixing for whatever reason. Yeah, that's the one they want. And you say, well, you could go over here and do that. No, 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 that'd be that'd be some, and you can spiritual people can spiritualize things like that to the point of well, that would be settling for less and not claiming the whatever. Or people would just say, well, no, I gotta, I gotta figure out how this one works. I gotta before I apply for you know housing at this other place, I got my eye on this apartment. Well, yeah, but what if that doesn't fall through? Ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. That's my blessing. And that we can all, we all apply that to ourselves in certain ways of again, you know, I want not only do I want a thing, please God provide for that and let me see where you're providing other things you are providing as Clint's pointing out. You can really get like, okay, if you don't give me the Ferrari, we've got a real problem in this relationship. And I think it's that you're holding out. So and again, we say there's nothing wrong with starting from a place of wanting God to bless you and any, you might as well ask. Sure. The Bible clearly says there are some things you don't have because you're not asking for them. So a pretty easy answer to that is just ask for everything. Right. <laughs> but we do want to be prepared to not get stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. then you, that's where some growing happens, as Glenn's pointing out. That's where you get some some roughness and to move some through. So, again, this is I, we, I feel like we get a fair amount of questions of this genre. Whether Is there anything wrong with, you know, we're all praying for the thing we want when we go around, you know, at the, the Sunday school class, you know. This person needs wants a new job. This person needs a car. There's nothing wrong with any of that. No. Uh-uh. If that's the only thing we want from God, the only thing we're willing right. to accept from God, that can get into a problem. Sure. But for where it starts out, it's all good stuff. So a fantastic question, and we're glad to answer it. We'll move on to our second question here. This one comes into Glenn's inbox. Glenn has a blog. It's very popular. What's an inbox? <laughs> that's good. See, I gave, him, I gave him a new word in that one, and he jumped yeah, right on it. Yeah, he went right Because he's a professional. Right. This one comes to UncleGlenn.com. This question says, I'm confused about the book of Revelation. Some of it is hard to understand, and some people say that there are things happening today that correspond with it. Mm-hmm. How do I interpret all that <laughs> and make sense of it? And Lee, why don't you start us off on this one? I'd love to. There seemed like a, there might have been an interpretive hmm in there yeah. as you were reading mm-hmm. that question. The hum <laughs> of judgment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's a cool question. It's a it's a perennial question. It makes sense. Uh, if you've never sat down and tried to read the Book of Revelation, it's it's super weird. Um, it's 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 a weird weird book. And oddly, it's a there's a cool thing in the Book of Revelation. It's the it's the one book of Scripture that gives a a blessing for those who read it and for those who hear it. It's a really interesting, very specific thing. If you read this book or if you listen to somebody else read it to you. There is a blessing in that. Um, can't break that down for you anymore, but it's kind of cool. Um, the the what the book says about itself is that it's actually because I always thought it was a I always thought it was a a revelation of you know it's like 
everybody called it Revelations, and it's the revelation it's just the one. of the yeah. There's just the one. It's the revelation. This is what the end of the world is going to be, and which it does kind of talk about that. And this is the end times, and it's going to break all that down for you. Actually, what the book says about itself is that it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, that you, you find out some new stuff about Him in this book. And so I would say a couple things. One is, if you go to that book, um, go in there looking for what you find out about him. What, is, what does he say about himself in this book? What do you find out about Jesus in this book? You find out some cool stuff. He says, he calls himself some cool stuff in this book. And I, I would also just say along with you, it is weird. It is a weird book. It's, it's incomprehensible, and it, a lot of it... and. I would say anybody that tells you they've got it all figured out, mapped out, and they know the cast of characters, and they're giving you people's first and last names from, from that are alive today and stuff like that, that's where you just wanna, you want to, uh, to pull that card that, that our own Matt King uh, came up with. The, uh, that would be the Biblically Specious card. Yes. And, you can uh, shorten that to BS. But yes, uh, yeah, that, that I think that's... <laughs> but uh, here's the deal is... It's it's a weird book. Um, there's a lot of freaky stuff going on, and but if you want to understand it, I would say let's try to hold two things in our head at the same time. One, I'm not going to understand what all of this is saying. Number two, we win at the end of it. The people that believe in Jesus, we wind up as the winners of the whole thing. The reason that's a cool way to do it is. Um, like one, I think that's probably the easiest way to kind of get some bearings on what's going on in the book of Revelation. All I know is at the end of it, when everything's cool, I'm with them. That's awesome. Uh, because of the grace of Jesus, I'm, I'm over there. But here's the other thing that's kind of cool about that. That is a good muscle to flex in your life because that's what a lot of life is like. It's weird. It's incomprehensible. I don't know what God is up to, but I have a promise that I am going to come out of this and that Jesus knows what he's doing and that he's in control of this stuff and that that in the end of it I'm going to win. That's a that's a good muscle to flex because that's something that that is going to help you walk through your life. Um it's as I'm saying as far as, you know, what it has to do with what's going on, let these kind of let these brothers kind of dig into that. But that's kind of my approach with that book is I'm not going to understand all of this, but I know that Jesus wins in the end, and I know I'm with him. And that's been a helpful thing to get on board with as I walk through other incomprehensible and sometimes scary stuff in my own life. It's a great place to start, and Glenn, I'd love to get you to to pick us up, because I think that is an important strategic move on this. Is and It applies the whole Bible, but the book of Revelation particularly, because there's so much uh, crazy crap in it, I believe is the theological term. Yeah. It's the idea of it's all got to mean something, man. Right. When it all when it all slots in together, there's going to be this weird kind of Indiana Jones moment where everything's going to swirl around and unlock, and I'll, right, I'll right. just get it all, man. Right. It's not the way anything. It's not the way knowledge of anything works. Right. Right. You know, it's certainly not the way the Bible works. It's not the way the Book of Revelation works. So, how do we go about? Approaching something where we're never going to understand every last bit of it, right? But there are things we can't understand about it. Well, that's you. You're really landing on the the really important issue there, which is there are zillions of things about the Bible I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And, and here's how I know that: I keep learning more all the time, uh-huh. and yes. I, I get the feeling that there's just an almost infinite depth to it. So the idea of I'm going to get my mind around it and I can explain every little portion of it. 
is is not a, it's not a good goal to have because I think we we would redefine getting it as um, something like having a surface understanding of whatever. Uh, that's not the the goal that we're setting out to have. Uh, the, the The book of Revelations contains a lot of stuff I don't understand, and some of it I don't imagine I will understand unless I happen to be around for the end of the world. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to uh, not be there for that and just <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, I mean, so. parts of it sound pretty metal, but eh, yeah, there's a, the recap. And, and for sure, if I am around for that, I'll be studying up. Because yeah. I'm one of those guys that would study the night before the test, so I'm, you know. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing: uh, the Book of Revelations is telling us very clearly that we need to be ready for that end of the world, and the rest of the New Testament is about how to be ready. So oh. we could just go ahead and focus on it's like that. a prequel. Yes, that's right, and a good one. Oh. So that's a fun uh, change up there. But here's the thing: is that I think. Um, you know, there. What's funny about the Book of Revelations? There, there's uh, in chapter three. Uh, there's a, a a a line in there about being lukewarm, mm. and and God says something very interesting. He says, "I'd rather you be either cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth." You know, like you have lukewarm water, you know, and it's just for some reason lukewarm water is disgusting and cold water is great. You know, who knows why? But you know, that's what he's describing there. And um, I think it's unbelievably fascinating that God would say, "I'd rather you love me or hate me, but lukewarm is the worst." Mm-hmm. That's profound to me. No doubt. And he's talking to to people who have some wealth. And he's saying, uh, he says, uh, you know, you should get what you need from me and realize that right now, on a spiritual tip, kind of like we were talking about in the last question, on a spiritual tip, he says, you're poor and wretched and blind and naked, mm-hmm. which is a lot. You know, that's, <laughs> yes. you, you're, you're, really, you're really not there. Well, here's the thing is that there is a lot of meat on that bone. There's a lot to look at. Uh, I have preached whole sermons about that. Uh, but the thing is, people skip right past that, which is as relevant today as yeah. it as it ever will be, and say, "Tell me about the beast with the horn coming out of it." <laughs> you know, hey, dude, you're trying not to get the part that definitely pertains to your direct situation. And it's easy to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on, dude. You you just oh, this is a fascinating mystery. You know, come on, dude. You. Let's uh, work on applying the stuff that we've learned so far and, and worry about uh, learning more later. Um, final little point, and, and um, I send this back around. I agree with the judgmental huh that we're given on uh, people who are, have all the magical answers on the book of Revelation. Um, here's the thing. Uh, I had a good buddy of mine that worked with people coming out of cults and helping people deprogrammed from that and get back into life and, and, and sanity and health. He said one of the first things they would always listen for is uh, this, what they call esoteric knowledge, but it's the idea that brother so-and-so has a special knowledge and a special truth, and he knows a secret from God or whatever that nobody else knows, and he's going to give us his special secret revelation. Mm. Here's the thing is... Um, a lot of pastors want to have that. Yes. <laughs> you know, they want it. I read this thing, and it's, whether it's Greek or whether it's a Revelations thing or whatever it is, they want to. They want to come up with. You got to come to me because I'm the only That's one that right. knows this amazing thing. 
that's a that's that's bad, dude. Mm-hmm. Do not do not follow those guys because they're they're on a, a, an insecurity thing. And they're covering for that with sort of a power trip kind of a deal. Uh, you're getting into some bad doctrine very quickly with that. Uh, what God wants you to know, He makes plain and simple, and it's easy enough. And the the, the key things in the Bible are as dirt simple to understand. Uh, stay away from anybody who's saying I got the special secret word. Right. That's a fantastic point. And before we we go to Jed to caps off here, I believe Lee has a great story, great short story about just such a thing as it pertains to the book of Revelations. Lee, take it away. Yeah, so a good friend of mine and who's also my boss was in the uh was in a the a bookstore of a particular kind where they sell the Christian books. He sees a book on the bookshelf that was uh you know, big picture of Saddam Hussein on there. It said Saddam Hussein, Antichrist. Um. The problem with this book was it was six months after Saddam Hussein had had died. <laughs> And then he looked at it, and it had a sticker on it that said, special, 50% off. <laughs> yeah, Still. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which you know, without even having looked it up, the intro to that book was, we scanned the book of Revelations, and we That's found right. the, great, the great secrets and the indicators, and we led, led yeah. us to this undeniable conclusion. He's what? Well, Never put mind. the sticker on it. 50% right. off. Yeah. Right. And Jed, we've heard a lot of great stuff on this. What would you add to that? Well, you want to, uh, we will journey quickly once again to the Bible Nerdatorium. Mm. You, you asked, you know, how do I interpret it? How do I understand it? So you should not read the Saddam Hussein book. No. Um, but uh, Really? It, it seemed pretty... It's probably like 60% off by now. If you'll wait till it gets 80% off, then it would probably be oh. worth reading. It's so. in a Christian bookstore, Jed. <laughs> they don't it just put be... things in there. Yeah, they've, they've fully vetted not it, willy I'm sure. Nilly. Ironically, I'm going to recommend a book to you that may not be in a Christian bookstore. Mm, okay. okay. So this is a couple of fellows named Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, who are world-renowned Bible experts. And this is a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It's a really, really good book. It is not an easy read. Mm. So this is for people who want to nerd out. Um there's value to that. There's a lot of value, as Glenn said, that the rest of the New Testament is about how to be ready. There's a lot of value in focusing on what the rest of the Bible says about how to be ready. Yeah. But if you super wanted, you know, Bible nerd, uh, how to read the Bible for all its worth, for all its worth, which is Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it almost anywhere. It's a really good, really in-depth book. The final chapter, and the, the point of the book is that in the Bible, there are different kinds of books. There are books of history. There are books of songs. There are books of wisdom. There are personal letters in there. There are more formal epistles in there. And that each of those we need to read a little bit differently because they are different kinds of documents, they're different kinds of books. And so they go into a ton of stuff. The last chapter is about Revelation. There's a, a bunch of really awesome, awesome stuff. There's no secret knowledge, but there's a right. bunch of great information. If you want to have a scholarly understanding of Revelation, it's great stuff. But I want to give you a warning, and this is Revelation will seem a lot more mundane at the end of this. <laughs> it will seem far less exciting, not far more. Yeah. The funny thing is the people who are really into the book of Revelation, they want it to be super exciting. Super, super exciting because of all the beasts and the horns and the horned beasts. All right. If you actually study it in a scholarly way, what you discover is it's actually not, it's not exciting in that way. I'll give an example of what I mean. So um, you've seen in your life a romantic comedy movie. Every romantic comedy movie works the exact same way. You, you, there is a formula. You know, it's a kind of story. Right. They will meet. 
they won't like each other. He'll, she'll think he's a jerk. He'll think she's stuck up. But then things will happen, and, and then, then they'll they get... they hate each other again. They hate each other, and then at the end, they don't. Oh. And that's what makes You've it a You've got to stop comedy. leaving these movies early, Glenn. <laughs> I mean, literally every movie Hallmark Channel showed um, leading up to Christmas is the same movie with just different romantic leads in it. Right. All right? Now, here's why I say that. We all know this is what constitutes a romantic comedy. That's a kind of story. Here's what constitutes an action movie. We know that kind of story. One of the things that you learn if you do a little bit of studying about the Book of Revelation is it's a kind of literature. In the ancient world, there was a kind of literature called an apocalyptic. This was a known thing. There were certain elements about it that worked a certain way. We don't really have those anymore, but if you, if you study up, you say there are certain elements that this would have meant something to the people of the time because they knew this kind of story. They knew this kind of thing. The same way you understand. When you go into a romantic comedy, you don't go, I wonder if they'll get together. You know they will get together. <laughs> right, you know right. what's going to happen. Yeah. There's a similar thing. The people who, who this was originally written for had an understanding of this kind of yeah. document. If, you, if, you, if I tell you a story about the last son of Krypton, you know that he's going to be stronger than anybody else. There you go. There you go. You've heard this story before. You've heard this story before. This is good information. It's a part of the Bible. It has things to teach us. But And there are parts of it that no one has any idea what they mean. But there are also large parts of it that are understandable. But what you will find is it's not this crazy thing where it's just the most magical. It's just it's a part of the Bible that has stuff to teach you the same as anything else. And the people who want it to be some sort of weird magical thing are on that for weird, uncool reasons. That's all really great stuff. A couple of quick things I will add to this as we uh, caution about uh, people who seem to know a lot about Revelation. Uh, One is that in Matthew 24, Jesus very clearly says about the end of the world, no one knows the day or the hour, Hmm. not even me, but the (laughs) Father. Well, what about Brother Billy? Well, he doesn't get name-checked, but being mm. that he's not the father, and it says <laughs> uh. that literally even counting those within the triune God, only the father knows. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I'm not saying he couldn't guess right. right. I'm just saying that anyone who claims to know for a Bible code or revelation or whatever, when the other world has happened, is, according to the words of Jesus in the New Testament, lying. Mm. That, is, that is a lie. Because they are also claiming to know more than Jesus, which is blasphemy. So there's a right. nice little jolt of blasphemy in their line. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the other thing is, as just we a as tasty you, just you know, just a little sussant of blasphemy. Yeah. But when you when you go look at the Revelation, and I think there is going too far the other way, as we're saying, you can you can make it so that people want Revelation to be the whole thing, and you can throw out everything else in the Bible because it's going to be super awesome, and you get to fight you know demons and whatnot. But I think there's a an overcorrection the other way, which I often talk about left and right limits in the show of just it's too weird, disregard it, right? Because it is a part of this whole uh, scripture, and there are some amazing things in there that you miss out on if you don't dig in at all. Le- uh, Glenn was mentioning earlier the uh, the thing about being lukewarm. That that is an amazing point. It's great if you apply it within what else is being said in the New Testament. There are people who right. abuse that because they just pull it out of Revelation. Right. That is to a church, not right. even all seven churches. That That's is right. to one church. Yeah. That, as Glenn is pointing out, very nice suburb and a lot of wealthy yeah. people and they'd been a good reputation and then yeah. things had drifted. Now, does that apply to all of our spiritual lives by being lukewarm? Absolutely. But when someone tells you that if you slept through one episode, one uh, Sunday school class that you're now a lukewarm Christian right. and the book of revelation, because there's a lake of fire in there 
probably something Lake of Fiery is going to happen right. to you. That's not it. <laughs> That's not it. There's all sorts of stuff in the in the New Testament, particularly the Pauline letters about uh, leaving your first love and falling off and lo- losing track. So all that makes sense within mm-hmm. it. One of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture, just because I think it's really beautiful, is in Revelation 21, where it says, There will be no more tears, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That's a great line, but it's not about the the this amazing one-time thing that's going to happen at the end of all things. Right. That would not make it a cool line. It's about this whole this process that's going on of the old put, being put off and the new coming. So there's a lot of great stuff in Revelation if you approach it with the knowledge that about 75% of this is not going to mean anything. But what does mean stuff will track, with as Jed is pointing out, the rest of this book, the way it is laid out. Yeah. If you look at it that way, there's a lot of good stuff in there. We'll move on to our final question here. This one came in as well to the Uncle Glenn inbox. This person says, There are so many well-known Christian voices that make me feel like grace is something I earn or that it isn't for me. I was first introduced to God so young, and all I had was name of 80 sitcom actor redacted, on TV, and name of megachurch pastor redacted, sermons. I respect them both. We'll get into that. But I don't know if I ever really trusted in Jesus, because all I was hearing was you're not a Christian if you're not doing this or that or this. I need to work through this, but I don't know where to go. And Glenn, this came into you, and I'll get you to start us off here. This is, a, I think this is a, even a variation or more extreme version of a question we get a lot, which is, there's the gospel. Right. And then there's all this cultural stuff around it yeah. where it seems some people are trying to mingle it and some people are trying to pull it apart. So right. what's what here? Well, first and foremost, uh, I think it's about understanding what the difference is between a theologian and a pastor. Yes. Uh, and uh, the fact that the third lead on Growing Pains was neither. That's <laughs> That I, was expertly I, executed. Yeah. I, I don't even know what you're talking about, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, a uh, if you follow a, a person, a celebrity pastor, for want of a better word, uh, who talks for a living or writes books for a living, that's not the same thing as a pastor. Yep. That's not what a pastor does. A pastor means someone who shepherds, right? So that is a one-on-one, face-to-face kind of thing. You can do some of that in a small group context. You can actually do a bit of that in an odd sort of way in what we're doing now, where you're able to communicate directly with us, and we're able to give you a direct answer to your situation. It's a lot less effective than what we could get going if we had sort of a back-and-forth dialogue kind of a thing. So it's, uh, it, it's not quite as much. But if you compare that to just sitting and listening to a sermon, you, you need a really good sermon preacher to figure out how to make this word apply to your situation. Uh, and that's not going to happen very often. Uh, uh, and if you're listening to a theologian, that's not going to happen at all. Because theologians aren't trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Theologians are trying to give you a sense of what doctrine is. And, and just this is, the, this is what is proper doctrine, and this is improper doctrine. And that's great, and it's good, and it's wonderful, and it's lovely, and... Uh, people need now, that. Glenn, when you use so many adjectives, I start to doubt your sincerity. No, I, I am. I mean, you know, when I was, uh, I've said this on the show before, but when I was 13, I went through a confirmation class and joined a church, and uh, it happened to be in a Presbyterian church, 
and they gave me Presbyterian doctrine backwards, forwards, upside down, and it was it was it was solid stuff. It was good. It was there was nothing weird about it. Uh, it was fine and lovely. And I have not heard, read, or heard or seen anything new or applicable since then. I mean, they just gave you the whole thing all in one shot. Doctrine I, should be basic. That's part yeah, of the point. Exactly right. But understand what we were talking about with the previous question is someone who can take the Bible and help you understand how it applies to your life. Here's the Bible saying something about lukewarm, but are you being lukewarm by the definition of that Bible verse? Well, I have to get into your life to find out whether that's true or not. I have to know how to apply this word in the proper way. So if I don't know you, it's going to be tough for me to apply it to your life. If I'm a theologian, I'm not trying to figure out how to apply it to your life because that's not what a theologian is. That's not what theologians do. That's not what uh, uh, preacher people do that do like the fancy preaching in the giant megachurches. That's a speech. It's a talk. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with theologians at all. Not, you know, we're not putting that down. But you're, you're having an expectation that I can be fed by these guys, which is uh, nuts. That doesn't, that, that doesn't work. You know, if you... If you uh, uh, if you have your pipes break down, you call a plumber. You don't call your dentist and say, sure. "Well, it's kind of all the same thing. Can't you help me out here?" You can watch the Food Network, but those people are not feeding you. The right. person who feeds you must be in your actual life. That's right. So exactly, a perfect example. So I think uh, uh, I think there's a real misunderstanding because I, I think we look at. Uh, um, mainstream church culture as as matt was talking about and we assume everybody in that has been vetted everyone that has been checked out and everyone is good they're good like this is the guy and uh that's not that's not it no here's the thing it's like if you you go into most uh uh you know businesses or industries if it's let's say architecture there are several different schools of architecture different ways of doing architecture there are different types of architecture and there are leading figures in those different schools and types and so on and so forth. And you might study one guy for a while and then switch over to this other and you decide, no, I like how this guy does, so I want to you know, get into what he's all about. If you try and apply that to Christianity where you say, I've, some say I follow Paul and others say I follow Apollos and I, this is my favorite guy to, you know, uh, here's the problem that you're going to get into. It's that... Um, None of those people got to where they are. That none of these people you're mentioning in your question, none of the people in the Christian bookstore got to where they are because they are good at ministry. Zero point zero percent of that. They got to where they are because they paid a publicist for you to know who they are. Yep. Not not again. Not condemning that. Not but that's what that, that is. That's how you got there. Megachurch pastors got to where they are because they paid someone to make them. No, that's that. They are the CEO of a very uh, large fundraising operation. Yeah, you could compare exactly right. You could compare that to being a pop star. It's the sure. same thing. You you don't become a pop star because you're a good singer. No one's famous by accident, man. Yeah, you 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 pay people to make you famous. That's how that works. And of course, you have to be able to sing. So sure. you know, these well, you certainly can... don't become a pop, a top forty pop star by knowing the most about music theory. That's right. Yes. Yeah. You're now these people are music professors or something like that. Exactly right. So ultimately, uh, ironically, it's the people that make them a pop star that are that are knowledgeable, not the pop star themselves. Uh, So in truth, I think you're looking to the wrong types of people uh, to give you what it is that you need. 
and I'm not putting those people down. It sounds like I am, but I'm not. I'm saying they they would tell you the same thing I'm telling you, which is that they are not capable of ministering to you. Yeah. They are not capable of feeding you because they don't know you. They don't know your story. They're not interacting with you. They're not hearing what your struggles are. They're just saying something they think that is neato and hoping you get something out of that. Yeah, I think that's a really great place to start this off. And Lee, why don't you pick us up there as someone who uh, does do the pastoring with the talking to people and saying things that apply to their life. Um, what what makes that go that we can look for um, from someone who is pastoring us? And to, to Glenn's point, there you can get a, a bit of that from a book, from a sermon, from a podcast. You know, we try to do a little bit of that with our Bridge podcast. We don't want it to be your pastoring, but we want to give you something that'll encourage you and move you forward. So as we go into a world where there are going to be resources, what can we look for as we, maybe, you know, we're working on the finding a church thing, finding someone we can sit down with, but what are the the good things we want to get us some of these materials in the meantime? Well, I think for, for, uh, for any of these kinds of things, like what we do, uh, this podcast and and the blog posts and stuff like that. This was always meant to be a supplemental kind of thing. Um, this is we want to encourage people, we want to help people, and we can speak directly to questions that you ask. But one thing that you'll notice if you've listened to this is the three hundredth show. If you if you've listened to all three hundred of these, which we haven't, but if no, if that you awful. if you did, one thing that you that you know about this is that. As we're answering questions and trying to give advice or, or respond to, to you know, people's hurts and stuff like that, we're casting a very wide net. Uh, we're trying to keep things as basic and as simple as possible because uh, we want this to be an encouragement and applicable to as many people as possible while also answering a specific person's question. Um, you know, I think we've gotten better at doing that over the time, but also all of us have a lot of experience doing that with people standing up in front of a room and talking in such a way that I can answer your specific question and I can speak to a wider thing and have an encouraging word for everybody. I've heard Glenn say this. It's absolutely true. It's been true in my ministry and in every, you know, every type of ministry situation that, 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 that I've seen people who have been good in ministry in. Um, if you have somebody that's awesome at, giving a talk in front of people, that's great. As Glenn's saying, that doesn't make them great at ministry. But there are people who are great at ministry and also really, really good at giving an encouraging word or giving a talk in front of a room and stuff like that. One thing I've heard Glenn say, like I said, that's absolutely true, is the more people that you have listening to what I'm saying, the less effective I'm going to be. Now, it's more efficient for us to talk to as many of you are that are listening. That's why we're recording this, and that's why we send it out. And so it's downloadable for anybody who wants it. And that's why somebody stands in front of a big room and talks to a lot of people at once. We hope that's an encouragement. But when I'm looking for someone to walk through my life with me, I need someone who cares about me. I need someone who knows me. I need someone who knows my history, who knows my hangups, who knows the particular, um, you know, the particular kind of things that are pitfalls for me. And I need someone who's willing to meet with me one-on-one. When I was in high school, I was having uh, some, you know, I was just having some problems, some typical kind of high school kid problems. And another friend that I knew said, there's a guy in town who would talk to you if you'll call him. And I had grown up in church, but I'd never had an adult 
have a one-on-one conversation with me the entire time. I'd only have Sunday school teachers and pastors and preachers and that kind of thing, revival speakers and the whole business. And that's what I thought ministry was. And then one day when I was a junior in high school, um, there was a guy that met with me for, I called the guy. He, his wife made us sandwiches, we met and sat at a, you know, at a, at like a concrete bench table kind of thing. And we started a relationship. He started talking to me. And this was the first time I realized that's the kind of thing that we want to look at as, as you're looking for somebody to speak into your life is who has the time? This is the question. Who has the time to care about me and listen to me? Um, because what you're going to find is a lot of people who are good, what the megachurch calls them communicators. They don't have time for you, man. It would take you six weeks to get on a list where you might be thrown into a lottery, where you might get to have coffee with the guy. That guy. I was at a church one time, and on the bulletin it said, after the church service, do not stand in line for autographs. And I thought, we have lost it, man. We have lost yep. it. But that's a true thing that happens. And the problem is, is that someone, if, if someone doesn't have time for you, they are not ministering to you. You need someone who has the time to listen and talk and get down with the scalpel into the actual problems of your life. It's a great point. And Jed, let's, uh, let's move to the other aspect of this question we haven't really touched on yet, which is, I heard some really bogus stuff when I was young. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what to do with that now. Yeah. Um, you may not have to do anything with it. You can just drop it. That sure. might be a place to start. Sure, absolutely. Dude, I'm sorry you heard a bunch of bogus stuff when you were a kid. That super duper sucks. And Jed I know, would know anything about that. Did I you know guys that know that David experience. has tidy whities <laughs> Yeah, I heard a lot of bogus stuff too. Um, you know, you said, you know, I respect these people don't. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't mean you need to disrespect them, but respect is something people earn. Yeah. And these people haven't earned it in your life. That's right. So so don't respect them. Again, that's not the same as saying you need to disrespect them. But, right. you know, uh, they haven't earned a spot in your life. So, right. you know. Um, uh, but you also, here's really super important. When you heard a lot of bad stuff, you don't need to be an apologist for them. I right. think when you grew up around bogus Christianity, it's really easy to be like, well, I'm sure what they meant is besides right. and so forth. You don't need to do that. You don't owe them anything. If they said something bogus, let it be bogus. Right. They're just contending for the truth, Jed. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Maybe they are, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. They, they yeah, said something bogus. The damage is the same whether they it was malicious or not. Let's absolutely right. Here's what I would encourage you to do is one of the most powerful things a person can do in their life, and you have the power to do this, and people can do this in all kinds of arenas of their life, is to declare that it is a new day. And I want to encourage you to do that here. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new era in my life. Christianity 1.0 is over as of today. Okay. Christianity 2.0 begins right now. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't know exactly where it leads, but here are the foundational things of Christianity 2.0. Jesus loves me and accepts me exactly as I am right now Amen. today. He wants to save me, and I want to be saved, so I'm as saved as saved can be right now today, and nothing can ever change that. He wants to have an ongoing relationship with me, and I want to have an ongoing relationship with him, and the two of us have to work out what that means and what that looks like, and no one else is invited into that relationship. That's just him and me period, the end. 
Those should be the foundational truths of Christianity 2.0. Now, we do want to find an actual local pastor who knows you and your situation that can help advise that process. That could also be a, a, a mentor. They don't have to be an ordained minister. That could be a good mentor. That could be a, a counselor. That could be a therapist. Anybody who, who loves the Lord and is farther along in their walk than you are can help to serve in that role and advise it. But at the end of the day, when you go home, it's you and Jesus. And the two of you have to work this out. And uh, the guy from Growing Pains isn't invited, and the celebrity pastor isn't invited. And this is the key thing. Even if they said something good, they're still not invited. We want to take that good thing and consider what we want to do with it. Maybe I want to take that in. Maybe I don't. Maybe I want to adopt parts of that. Maybe I don't. Me and Jesus will workshop it and focus group it and decide what parts of it we do or don't want to keep. But I'm sure as heck not taking any of it just because you are a famous Christian. From now on, all things will be filtered by the team that is me and Jesus. Thank you. We will let you know if we've decided to use something. (laughs) You should assume we haven't. Right. And move on. But that's the key thing we want to encourage you to do is declare it's a new day. It's a new season. We are leaving that old, fear-ridden, um, uh, maybe I'm saved, maybe I'm not Christianity behind. We're, we are letting that go. We're declaring a new day that is built on the foundation of Jesus' unending love, his desire to be with me, and then we're taking it from there one day at a time. Right. That's all really fantastic stuff. One small thing I'll add on this, you, you point out that I, one of the things you were hearing was, you're not a Christian if you're not doing this, that, and the other. Um that let that be a a canary in the coal mine as you're going forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. as Jed is pointing out, and to take us back to the theologian question, um, good doctrine of all Christian doctrine is anybody who wants to be saved is saved. That's right. Whether you're predest predestination, semi Pelagian, whatever, God wants everyone to be saved. It's a free gift if you accept it. You're all the way saved, and there's no conditioning to that. That is bad doctrine. Yeah. When we get into that, so. There, ben, as you're pointing out, there's all this different people, culture war, and you got it with all that crap. No, man. As soon as anybody tries to add anything to the gospel of we're sinners, Jesus wants to save sinners, so get saved, that's bad. That's where we're, that can be a jumping off point, as in you may be listening to a podcast with multiple people who have gotten up and walked out of church services. Right. <laughs> True that. When they heard, but you also gotta. Because yeah, you don't yeah. also got it. You don't also got That is nothing. a different religion we're talking about yeah. here. So, as, and Glenn mentioned, Glenn and Lee both mentioned that on the show, which is true of us, we try to keep it basic, and that, that's a reason. We have people from all sorts of different paths and, you know, areas in their walks. So we're trying to keep this, this down to brass studs as best we can. Um, so when people aren't doing that, and they're saying, well, yeah, gospel, but also, did you hear about this guy who's running for this and this thing and that bill? And that's all, that's a great time to get a jump off a train. And that's not you being overly sensitive. You may be mm-hmm. a little more attuned to that than other people haven't put through that, but that's always a bogus thing that always leads somewhere bad. So go ahead and take your step off. And you actually have a weird gift in the way that uh, bad things have been through almost always give us some kind of weird superpower. You're going to sniff those way before some of your Christian friends who didn't put up with what you put up with do. And that's, that's a good thing. That's not a flaw. And you're right. going forward. All right. If you have a question for us, say at podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com. Or say I have a song this week. We have one last Christmas song. 
Now, we haven't recorded a version of Holly Jolly Christmas yet, though if we remember <laughs> to annoy Lee, Glenn, we almost certainly will next year. This is a version of Way in a Manger from our friend Lynn's Honeyman. Woo! This premiered yeah. just last week on The Bridge Loud, which you can now hear on call yes. FM stations all over South Florida. So if Woo! you're in South yeah, Florida area, or if you just have a hard time staying up until 3 a.m., this gets the bridge loud is on uh, call FM at 9 p.m. Eastern Sunday nights. Oh, so if hey. you're up and around at t- time, you can either check out a local radio station or anywhere in the world, call FM.com. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast, our listeners give us lotion. Beat that other Christian podcast. <laughs> In a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lays down his sweet head. The stars in the sky look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the